0: Welcome to the black cast, the other. Rogue One One. I'm Christian Blatt at Christian DMZ. Joined, as always, by the one and only Captain EO himself, Jeff DeRay, on Twitter, at Jeff DeRay.
1: Does this make it Rogue Two?
0: It could be Rogue Two. I think it might have to be Rogue Two, but I like calling it the other Rogue One One. Rogue Leader? Because it's a it's a clunkier name. <laughs> and uh, don't forget to like The Black Cast on Facebook, at Black Cast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T, on Twitter. And of course, BlackCast.com for all of your black casting needs we are very excited to be joined once again by the one and only artist dave dorman who is on twitter at dave dorman on facebook dave dorman art instagram Dave Dorman, artist, and you know what? You can find them all at DaveDorman.com. Dave, welcome back to the Blackcast. Thanks for having me. Before we got started, there was a there was a little construction going on in the studio, and you had said you were glad to just not be there, having to work with all of us, and you're enjoying uh, some, I guess, summer-like temperatures there in Illinois. How how is it right now?
2: Uh, sure, summer-like. If you live in the Antarctic, <laughs> uh, it's uh, like. Like well, It's probably like 10 degrees. It got up to 15 this afternoon, well, but uh, now it's close to 10.
0: You know what it's like for those of us that live in LA. It's 60 degrees and everybody has on mittens and winter mm-hmm. hats and scarves and things. And, uh, I,
2: um, I know, that's why I wanted to brag to you about how wonderful <laughs> it was out I here. know. Look, believe me,
0: very jealous. Oh
1: yeah, I woke <laughs> up hemming and hawing just because it was overcast. I was like, <laughs>
2: what kind of terrible weather yeah. is
0: this? Dave, you won't believe it. It rained <laughs> yesterday. I think people took the day off of work. work. Uh, anyway, well, we have also sorts of uh, great things to talk about, uh, but I do want to start with a very sad thing we have to talk about since the last episode of the Blackcast that we recorded, and that is the passing of Carrie Fisher, who was only yes. 60 years old. Adding to the tragedy was the fact that her, her mom, Debbie Reynolds, died the next day and since then she uh carrie was cremated she'll be laid to rest with her mom which that's sort of the the sweet it's not even silver lining but it's like kind of a sweet ending to the story all very surprising and uh just not one of those people that you i mean look we all are well aware that Carrie Fisher lived very hard early in her life. She did, yes. you know, I think, unfortunately, I guess I caught up with her, but you just didn't get that sense from her now, you know? I mean, she was out there so much. She's a character on Family Guy. She was in Episode 7. I know she had filmed all of her scenes for Episode 8. And I don't know, you know, she had the one-woman show a couple years ago, and they did an HBO special of it. I don't know, it's just not somebody that you expected to go anytime soon.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I, you know, she did have some very, you know, uh, hard living uh, from, you know, at a very early age up until recently. And I think that she was, uh, you know, pulling herself back together and, and uh, you know, getting out and seeing people and doing things and writing and being very creative over the last couple of years. And so it's uh, it's really a shock to see to see this happen after, um, you know, her Uh, making that effort to, you know, bring herself back to to where she should be. And it is sad.
0: The interesting thing was, uh, Dave, this is the second episode where we're talking about Rogue One, and I guess we're about to get into spoiler territory. So if for some reason someone hasn't seen it, we're going to talk about it as though you have seen it, so you might want to save this episode for a little bit later. But in the previous episode, episode 205, The Rogue One One, we talked about, we recorded it before Christmas, right out, actually it was the day after I saw the movie. And I edited it together right away so I could get it up right after Christmas. And at the end of it, I actually took a segment of Carrie Fisher singing from the end of the Star Wars holiday special. And yeah. I did that because we had talked about how the CGI Princess Leia at the end of Rogue One and I said, you know, the spoilers are, are now plenty here, obviously. <laughs> and I, I just felt like it, it looked so weird and I was and it was kind of it was an offhand joke and I just said she looked better in the Christmas special. And so that was why I thought, okay, well I'll put the song from there at the end of it and you know it was kind of a smart ass thing to do and that episode sat on the shelf for a week and unfortunately you know we there was a report that she had a heart attack and then there was that she passed away and I thought about it and I'm like I don't I don't think I want to take that out because in this weird way it's this kind of appropriate tribute to the passing of yes Carrie Fisher but also Princess Leia and look we make fun of how in that special they all say happy life day but the last thing at the end of the episode I have a snippet of her saying happy life day and I was just like you know what it's sort of a it sort of took on a a sweet tone to it and uh, a couple people wrote to me and and actually thought that I did it on purpose and um being very upfront right here it just it happened that way and I think that there's just so much to look at in terms of of her body of work not just as an actress but also as a writer I mean she's she was a great script doctor if you read about some of the movies that she did a rewrite on uh, it's all very impressive but as we talk about her in the context of Princess Leia, Dave, you sent me some great artwork that we're going to uh, post at, on the Blackcast Facebook page, on Twitter at Blackcast, and also Blackcast has its own Instagram. and. Uh, they're great. There's three pictures okay. that we're going to use. One is Leia in her Bespin garb, so it's the the pink and red gown that she wears in Empire Strikes Back. And then there she is as the Bounty Hunter uh Boush or no it's not Bosch, because that's a TV show. I think it's Bausch, showing up okay. to re- yeah, showing up to rescue Han Solo, which one of those names that I only know because I had the action figure, much like Jeff here knows the names of all the characters in Rogue One because of some computer game that he has <laughs> on his phone. And we were talking about it. I'm like, I don't know who any of these characters are, and, and you, he knew every, you literally knew everybody in the mm-hmm. cast, right, Jeff? I, yeah. could,
1: I could name them off right now for you.
0: We don't need that, but we will need it in a little bit. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Leia in her Endor camouflage outfit uh, from what is one of my favorite sequences in Return of the Jedi, which you may not know about. Me, Dave, we've talked about this. I, I'm not sure if we've. Talked about it. I mean, uh, Return of the Jedi is still my favorite Star Wars movie because I loved it so much when I was seven. So I kind of, I right. definitely grade on a curve because of how excited I was to see it. But I, I still think it's great. Anyway, that speeder bike sequence w- is is still to me one of my favorite in. Well, I was going to say in the trilogy, but I guess there's there's seven, eight, nine. You know, who knows how many movies, but the still one of trilogy, yeah, yeah the fine. original trilogy. It's still one of my favorite sequences, and you know it's funny because the first. Footage I ever saw from Return of the Jedi, they like showed it on Good Morning America. It was like 40 seconds of the speeder bike chase, and I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> and uh, so I was going into it being excited. So even back in 1983, there could be spoilers. Um, so <laughs>
2: It was, it was a very cool scene. That yeah. the whole uh, battle in the in Endor the Forest on the speeder bikes. Very cool.
0: Yeah, so what I like about these three different pieces that you sent to me that were featuring Dave is that they really capture the many facets of the character in a way that, you know... Look, I I love the A New Hope, the quote unquote. I'm using air quotes for Princess Leia cuz to me that's the one where she she's like the princess, you know, where right. she has the weird cookie monster hairdo on the side. And that that's the that's the one that seems like the princess to me. I know she grabs the blaster and jumps into the trash compactor, but the, this is sort of like your tougher, you know, more hard-edged Leia that, uh, that especially her as the bounty hunter, you know, I mean, sneaking into Jabba the Hutt's palace. I think a right. lot of people would pass that. Not just C-3PO. A lot of people would be like, I don't want any part of this, you know.
2: For, for me, you know, when I sent you those pieces, I, I didn't want to do uh, the the usual, uh, you know, Princess in the White yeah. uh, 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 dress. No, and, know, and I really from, appreciate from the, that Hope. that it was and, not that and, that and, image. Yeah, yeah. And, and then... Um, uh, slave Leia, which you know everybody does. Yeah, look, yeah. I
0: mean, I was I I was seven when I saw Return of the Jedi, so uh, Slave Leia made a very important impression that <laughs> will never go away. But yeah, I, that, of, I, I
2: re- <laughs> that yeah, dive, yeah, and all the
0: little boys since then, I really also appreciated that you you. See that. Yeah, I really appreciated that you had a very different sort of a, it was it was a unique take. These three different images. Talk a little bit about when you're doing these these characters and. You know you obviously they're established characters so you need to take the time to make sure that they look like her and they they're great they look so much like her talk a little bit about that part of the process you know i i am not artistically inclined so i just can't imagine being able to do that but how how much time do you think it takes it, as opposed to say you were doing a piece of an original character versus one that we all know what it looks like and you know obviously people be disappointed if it doesn't look like them
2: well that's the main thing is is not to disappoint the people when they're expecting uh, a character and an established character like any of the Star Wars characters to look like the actors that's uh, a main part of what I do and and what I specialize in sort of is is making sure that whatever I'm painting whether it be Star Wars or Indiana Jones or you know, aliens or Predator, or you know Sigourney Weaver or whatever. Uh, it's making those those characters be instantly recognizable uh, to the fans, and and them being able to to not try to figure out why the character doesn't look like the character. You know, the character that I'm doing looks like the actor or actress, and so that that immediately eliminates some question in the viewer's mind. You know, why did the artist do it? this way when they could have done it to make it look like the the actor or actress. Um, that's that's one of the things that's made me a, a regular artist with Lucasfilm is that they were very happy and very confident that whatever pieces that I was doing for them uh, would look like um, the actor or actress and um, uh, you know I got a, a lot of appreciation from the actors and actresses themselves, uh, you know, especially uh, Carrie Fisher, um, thanking me for being able to represent them as they were in the films.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that is very important because I remember just within the last month, there was a photo that was circulating at least amongst my friends on facebook it was from the old marvel star wars series which i loved but it was a picture where han solo i, I swear to you it looked more like charles groden than harrison ford and everybody was just like "Ah, oh, we all remember fat han solo and you know i think that obviously that style it, it's a little bit more difficult because there's there's some great Covers that they had because those were able to be painted, but the actual, you know, pen and ink drawings, they didn't always capture the look of it. Jeff, you have a thought on that?
1: I just had an, a weird thought as you guys were talking about it. Like, if you did pictures of Jabba as the original Jabba from A New Hope, like yeah. a dude in a fur jacket, yeah, but like in <laughs> the Return of the Jedi scenes, right? So he's got Slave List, but it's just a dude, <laughs>
2: just a dude and, and it just it totally changes the context of all those yeah. scenes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that is a pretty funny thought.
0: That, yeah, that that is, and you know the old Marvel series, they didn't even have they didn't have anything to work with, and I'm sure Dave, you must be familiar there. There's this sort of humanoid Jabba that he's basically he's yellow and he's he's got like he's sort of furry, and I'm yeah. just like I I, I think. It's weird numbers stick in my head. We were recently talking about Spider Man and the X Men, and one of our co hosts who isn't here today, Will, was surprised how I remember episode or issue numbers. But I remember Star Wars number twenty eight. There's fake Jabba in it, and I'm just like, I I, like, I yeah. I'll have to post a picture of fake Jabba now, (laughs) but uh... talk a little bit about yeah. sort of those characters too you know i mean that is it fun to paint a massive jabba the hut or is it is it a lot of work because i am I'm, I'm not even sure how much you've painted jabba but I, I assume he left I, I, him at some I've point.
2: painted him and a couple other uh, huts, you know, during my 25 years of doing sure. this. Um, you know, it's it's uh, uh, you talk about the old comics, the old Marvel comics, and and uh, what we were doing at Dark Horse, you know, beginning in uh, uh, 1990 uh, with Dark Empire, and then proceeding after that. Uh, Marvel was really working with a very small, you know, company at Lucasfilm. It was like four or five people. And so they didn't have continuity people. They didn't have uh, 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 You know a book division Uh, They were basically flying by the seat of their pants. Look, I
0: just referenced the Christmas special Obviously the reins were not very tight on what was going (laughs) out there There's a part of me that loves the Christmas special because it's so misguided but to be fair that Boba Fett cartoon is actually pretty cool, you know, so right. it's, you can't discount
2: the whole thing. But no, you, you can't, but, uh, uh, you know, they, did, they didn't have tight reins on it, Yeah, and I think that was one of the problems with the Marvel books, is, is that there was really no guidance... Uh, to that and then when we came in at Dark Horse uh, doing uh, uh, Dark Empire and then you know, f- the following 15 years of, yeah. of expanded universe uh, work, uh, Lucasfilm was was very well established as far as their licensing division, their their uh, book division, their, they had people overseeing continuity um, uh, at that point so uh, they had things laid out So if we wanted to introduce characters that were in previous uh, uh, stories, uh, we knew the background on that. If we wanted to introduce new characters to fit into uh, the Expanded Universe timeline, we could do that and make associations with things that were already established. So, uh, you know, we had it much easier uh, creatively because there was some constraint uh, uh, for doing the books. uh, unlike Marvel which was sort of you know an open door and they literally you know Opened the door to anything that they could, including you know talking rabbits and and uh, yeah, uh, we, which uh,
0: apparently George Lucas hated more than anything else. Jeff, I don't know if you're familiar, but in so the original Star Wars series, the Marvel series, it, it was a six-issue adaptation of the movie, and then Episode Seven they started telling their own stories, and there was kind of like a Magnificent Seven, and amongst which, so it was Han and Chewie and a bunch of other characters, but there was also a giant green rabbit was one of them, <laughs> and uh, so apparently George hated the green rabbit so much that there became at least a little bit of quality control at that point. But then that characters actually gone on to be featured in some of the, you know, the book anthologies and things. So there can even be a fondness for those things and there were some of those Marvel Star Wars stories that, you know, I was a kid reading them, but I really liked them and I know that we talked about this last year Dave when we talked about sort of the 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 Disney transition about how, yeah. you know, they pretty much shook the sketch and all that stuff and is starting over again. But what I like to see is sometimes they appreciate the value in some of those characters. Like the fact that Grand Admiral Thrawn is on Rebels this year, I was very right. excited to have him introduced. You know, it's like I'd, I'd like to see Darth Vader, but I also don't want him to use him out. And right. having th- Grand th- I Admiral I think Thrawn. that's
2: smart. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a lot of, you know, really good things. Uh, um, being done, you know, both in in Marvel to an extent, uh, but specifically with Dark Horse, because Dark Horse, you know, had a, a very good run for 25 years, so some really interesting uh, stories and interesting characters. So you know, when they announced that Thrawn was was going to be uh, in- included in the new canon, you know, I was very excited because that does sort of open the door a crack to you know some of the things uh, that the fans loved about. The Dark Horse Expanded Universe that we may actually, you know, see uh, incorporated into the Disney Universe. Um, so, so yeah, fans are, you know, have that little bit of excitement right now to uh, to see some of that. I feel like uh, Lucas is always
1: repurposing stuff from like old ideas, right? Like right. the whole Kyber Crystal thing that's been, uh, oh, that was yeah. a, a big part of uh, Rogue, Rogue One. One. Yeah. That was introduced in Splinter of the Mind's Eye. The whole like point of that was to find a Kyber Crystal. Yeah. And right. that was like the uncommissioned sequel they never, re- or the sequel they never used, whatever it was, the book that they commissioned. Right. 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 So it's like, I'm sure they're going to keep anything that worked, if they'll they just keep it drawing works, from yeah, it, Yeah. Right? Like uh,
0: I forget now the name of the character from Shadow. The Empire, but uh, you know, that that's a that was a great character, and of course, that's between Empire and Jedi, so it's 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 sort of charted territory already. But as we saw with Rogue One, which is a great way to transition to it, that there are still plenty of stories to be told in that period, you know, the period that exists between the original trilogy. So, this obviously is between the what's pretty much right before episode four i mean literally it goes right into it but yeah. it's filling that period between the prequels and the original trilogy and uh, i want to give you a chance to just dave talk a little bit about what you thought about it because uh, jeff and i we we really liked it we'd actually planned on seeing it again today but uh, life kind of got in the way so we didn't get to see <laughs> it again but uh, i'm looking forward to still seeing it again because a second viewing of a star wars movie is always better for me mm. because I can calm down a little bit because I'm always so excited like oh this is new Star Wars sure, you know it, sure. especially episode 7 I mean it had been so long since there had been a new Star Wars movie and Phantom Menace when I sat down for that I mean it had been 16 years since there had been a new Star Wars movie so you know getting to see it again will help but uh, I wanted to give you a chance like I said to give us your thoughts on the movie as a whole and some of your favorite things about it
2: um well you know after seeing the movie I I felt that I I had a connection to these characters similar to the connection that I had uh, to Luke and Leia and Han. Uh, in that I thought I thought that the characters were uh, well thought out. I really liked Jin and Chira and and Baze and Bodhi. I, I and you know if we're doing spoilers, yes, you know, we're definitely it's, doing it's spoilers. Sa- yeah. It's sad to think that. We may not see these characters again. You could
1: get uh, Bodhi Rook in Rebels, though, right? Like as a uh, an Imperial pilot training, he could he could have some sort of feature oh,
2: in the Lucas yeah, universe cer- going down. Oh, yeah, certainly we could have prequels. Uh, yeah, and we can the, see
0: we could possibly see them in the there have been sort of rumblings that we might see them in the Han Solo standalone movie, which would yeah. work because it wouldn't interfere with what happens here. And mm-hmm. I like that we saw Saw Gerrera, who was of course in Clone Wars, and actually. Uh, this weekend, we'll be making a
2: return to Rebels, from what I hear. So uh, right. I, I that's, like that's sort of I hear, using some of those existing then. characters, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure where Clone Wars, you know stands in in the uh, Canon, you know with Disney, right. but uh, I expect but, them to but, not go back and do a lot of stuff with the
0: prequels, at least not for a while. you know, they seem yeah. to really be focused on the future and also the original trilogy. You know, they're sort of working in that timeline. But you're right. It, we could one day find out that the Clone Wars animated series all five or six seasons of it, is like, man, that didn't really happen. but right. yeah, but it's great to <laughs> see these characters, know, I agree. Yeah
2: yeah, as far as the the movie goes, I was very excited uh, about it, you know prior to going to the um, theater, and uh, I was not disappointed at all in what I saw. It was very much uh, Star Wars, uh, even though these were characters that we hadn't uh, seen before and weren't familiar with. Um, we knew the world, we knew you know the the uh, political and social uh, economic uh, uh, you know story. Um, you know from both the uh, prequels and and you know knowing what was coming up with uh... you know new hope and and beyond um, so uh... for for me and i'm sure for almost every other fan it was a nice filling in of the story of the death star and you know how princess leia came to have those plans uh... they did it very very well i think the production was very sharp Um the, the casting was right on as far as i'm concerned uh... the writing uh... I, I thought was very good i know that they had some trouble towards the end of the film um, uh, I don't know, you know, how much trouble they had with it, but certainly it doesn't show up on the screen. Yeah, what that.
0: we saw on the screen was great. I mean there's there's a little bit about what they had to reshoot. I mean, if you see the original teaser trailer, there's whole sequences that you know, there's Jin standing on that tower and there's a TIE fighter that flies up right, right next to her. So there's a bunch of different things that you're like, well I, I'm interested in just knowing what it was that did happen and what they changed it to. And we probably will get a little bit of an idea. I don't think we'll ever know exactly what the ending was and what was different about it. But, you know, if they felt like it didn't work and they needed to take the time... Here's the thing that I was most impressed with is that a lot... And we talked about this on the last episode. I think when Disney acquires a property like Star Wars. You wonder, well, how much are they gonna Disney fy it? And the ending of this movie is the least Disney ending that you could get. You know, if it, if in the beginning somebody's mother gets killed, which it does, that's a very Disney thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that right. most Disney movies have that happen. But for the most part, the people we're invested in are gonna live happily ever after. And you know the galaxy lives happily ever after but the people who you know fought this whole movie they did not live happily ever after you agree right. Jeff?
1: yeah it, well the disney it, uses the tragedy plus time that's yeah. why everything bad has happened at the beginning of the movie
0: <laughs> yeah because it gets you a
1: distance from it yeah uh dave i know you went to see
0: the the movie with your son jacket is he 10 now how old is he
2: uh he is
0: 12 oh now. he's 12 wow Time flies. Uh, I don't need to tell you, but uh, <laughs> and so that's kind of what I was wondering when I saw it. I, I would one. I was wondering how a kid would respond to being invested in these characters and seeing that happen. Did he know that going into it? Was he surprised? Was he upset? Um, I, it was sort of the one question I had. It wasn't a problem with it, but I was wondering how would kids respond to seeing these people that we're just getting to know all get killed.
2: Um. Well, let me give you a little bit of background on, on him first. Uh, when he was young, he was only interested in the Clone Wars uh, animated film. He did not want to see and did not care to see any of the live-action You know, I remember talking
0: uh, to you about that probably a few years ago when we talked on Dennis Miller's show. I, I remember now that you say that. Yeah, that I, and that's not the only instance I've heard of that, that kids just identified better with the animated series and and didn't care as much about
2: right the so um, uh probably about uh, three or four years ago um i got the blu-rays of of all six of the films sure and so we've watched those many many times way back when there were only six by the way dave <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right uh, so so he's grown uh, accustomed to the story and the characters and and you know seeing live action so um, you know much like uh, force awakens uh, you know he was very excited to see that in the theater and then uh, uh, for rogue one uh, he was also very excited to see it um, uh, he uh, v- uh, responded uh, very well uh, I you know, I don't know how emotional he got. I don't know if he was quite as emotional as I was when uh, uh, you know, when we got you know, right towards the end. Um, but uh, uh, he really enjoyed the film quite a bit. Uh, he's been you know, watching uh, some World War II films you know, with me. I'm a big uh, action you know, war film fan. Sure. So, uh, um, so he was very excited to see more action uh, in this film. More so, more, I guess, sort of, you know, the, the rebellion uh, action as opposed to uh, the lightsaber action of, of, you know, the Skywalker uh, story. Uh, he really liked that aspect of it a lot. And uh, I think that's one of the things that, that makes this film unique uh, to the, the Star Wars uh, films is that it, it was different. It wasn't about the Skywalker clan it was it was a story set in that universe but approaching it sort of you know from a a down-and-dirty you know these are the people that Skywalker you know wants to to help in crush uh, uh, the uh, Empire uh, for and we don't really get to see that in the 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 Skywalker uh, films Um, but we do get to see it here and and so I think that resonates a lot in that uh, this shows you know what the rebellion is fighting for they did a very good job with that I just realized they also kind of they do play off of the once again the kid
1: has to redeem the uh, kind of misguided actions of, of the, the father, pa- right? Of the parent,
0: yeah, I didn't even so, think of that. So yeah. Jin
1: has to redeem her father essentially and like help the rebellion, but her dad still also sacrifices himself to help the rebellion and destroy it, the Death Star, it, it and is. the film answers the big question, why can you shoot one shot at a massive yeah. battle station and blow we, it up? And
0: We talked about that in the last episode, Dave, that it was basically uh, a kind of a a glorified very expensive way to explain one of the biggest plot holes of the Star Wars universe <laughs> and mine continues to be why when they build the Death Star again are, and I know it was more difficult in Return of the Jedi but you're still able to basically do the same thing and I because know it's because it, it wasn't, wasn't finished and they had the shield generator I know right. but then there's like also there's elements of the shield generator in this movie too you know I'm like mm. they, they just don't learn the Empire that's what it comes <laughs> down to and I think that after episode 9 we'll be like you know what they really don't Don't learn. That's what it comes down to. You know, know,
2: it's just a big government. thing you yeah. know no, nobody does there's, it right there's no it more there, that there's
1: no more big government than the galactic empire right? I,
2: think. Right. I
1: feel like they feel like they've got a, a they've got a winning formula big laser plus shield equals <laughs> rule the galaxy yeah. but they just haven't yeah. quite figured out how to get
2: that to stay <laughs> uh, in motion yeah, <laughs> but, we- but let, you know let me get back to the yeah, uh, sort of darker aspects of, of the film uh within the first um 15 minutes Ah, uh, you get one of the heroes shooting an in- innocent guy in the back. Yeah, and you know that really set the tone uh, for for what was going on. I mean, uh, with uh, uh, Jin and and. Um, uh, her family at the beginning, you know, you see the bad guy, you, you know, that yeah. the Empire's gonna, that, you know, do bad stuff.
0: Dave, and, that was definitely not a Greedo shot first moment, you know, that no, was no, that, wasn't. that was uh, but, that was not warm yeah, and fuzzy, you know, yeah, special and, edition. You know,
2: I, I, I hate to say that it wasn't a t- surprise to see uh, Jin's mom Get killed because that's part of the drama of uh, moving the story forward and having that uh, uh, that anger uh, in Jen. But that was quite the surprise when Cassian goes into that alleyway and, and the guy's helping him and says, I gotta, I gotta go, I gotta yep. get away. And then she gets and that's shot.
0: That's it. Back. Yeah. And he's like, well, we're not going to make it. So. We're not going to make it if I bring you. So yeah. yeah no, and you're right. So. It is, it is very dark in that way. And I think that's what makes it great as a standalone, you know? I mean, it's, it, it's part of the universe, but it is not a trilogy movie. And we talked about last week how it was a little jarring for me to see a Star Wars movie that didn't start with the cry all you know I, I just i just love that moment cuz it's so it so much builds the excitement but it helps when you tell this kind of a story that's like well this isn't this isn't really that you know that's for movies that are part of the saga the three tri- tr- trilogies or knowing disney there'll be four yeah. or five or six trilogies at some point But you're
1: setting the scene for the next installment yeah. of a massive epic and yeah. you're and, you, and in each one of those crawls like my my friend john got so mad that there wasn't a crawl in this movie he's like that's star wars that's what you need <laughs> to be star wars there's no john williams score and there's no crawl and it's like whoa calm down dude yeah uh but I just I think it does it doesn't need that. We don't need the scene set. I think we understand the Empire sucks. The rebellion's starting <laughs> yeah, to try yeah. to like make a difference. And, like Well, well what are it. you
2: gonna title it? Rogue One uh, episode four and a half, yeah. three and a half. <laughs> yeah, right. Or, or, yeah, it's it's a
0: New Hope issue zero, you know, something yeah. like that. <laughs> so yeah. An old hope. <laughs> An old hope. There you go. And, you know, th- look, there were plenty of things that we were, there were minor things that we were critical about. I mean, as impressive as it is that they can have a CGI Peter Cushing, I would have been more comfortable if they just recast it and use a different actor Mm -hmm. because it was a little jarring and like I told you I said at the end of the last one, the CGI young Princess Leia, it was just weird to look at, she looked almost animated. This didn't make the movie not good for me. I was just like, oh, I think these little touches,
1: just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. They they should look back at some of what they've done in terms of, like, touching up the old movies and realize how that hasn't worked over time. It's like, hey, look, even if it looked really cool when you first did this and you added in the cgi thing, it's now, like, five, six years later and it looks like complete horseshit because the technology (laughs) is advancing so fast. And it's, like, so where we could have forgiven... Seventies yeah. style FX because we because understand it's from it stop motion
0: models and yeah, but
2: right. when you well, add I, CGI
1: I, on top of that, you start to be like, what the, What are you doing?
0: What were we gonna say, Dave? I,
2: I was gonna say I, I can't criticize that because I thought they did very well with Peter sure. Cushing I I was when I saw it, it was certainly a surprise to me. Yeah, but once once I started watching it, I think they did very well with it. And in, since we're talking about it now, if Peter Cushing was not in A New Hope, I might have thought that this was a real act. Right, if, you, if you
0: weren't familiar with the character of right. Grand Moff Tarkin, right. who's, I so, guess, just Governor Tarkin at this point. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, and yeah. I, and, I and, wonder about and, that. And yeah.
2: to be honest with you, I can see the problems with the Princess Leia at the end. Because it looked sort of it sort of fantastical. Yeah, it, it,
0: it almost looked like the hologram but, that that R two emits in yeah, Episode but, Four, but the blue if, hologram. If, yeah,
2: yeah. If you compare that to the first time you see her in New Hope, it has that sort of clarity and and. Sort of very clean look. Her, her makeup is very smooth, mm-hmm. and and her eyes are dark, and her lipstick is 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 dark red, and so it's it's almost kabuki esque uh, when you see her. So so for me, seeing her at the end looking like she does, and then knowing what she looks like at the very beginning of New Hope, uh, it it for me it transitions well, um, but you know once again we've seen her age from the young Princess Leia in New Hope to General uh, Leia in Force Awakens yeah so that was the shock of seeing her once again as the young Leia at the end of Rogue One. Yeah,
0: and I was glad that I was able to not know that that was coming, to not know that CGI Peter Cushing was coming. I mean, it, it is a conscious effort. You have to avoid things. But I did a reasonably good job, because I didn't know any of those things were coming. And so right, you appreciate it yeah, a, exactly. in the moment, and then you think about it technically, and it was more the Leia one than the Tarkin one. You're just like, nah, I don't know if I needed it. Neither of them bothered me yeah, particularly. Yeah, I wasn't like,
1: oh, this movie's ruined now. <laughs> yeah. I was just... I, with the Tarkin one I almost would have liked just a little bit more if they'd just gone the subtle route right like give us his reflection and then you could CGI yeah. it up and we don't have to do anything he just have to, we see his back we see this, him, his his outline you see a little bit of his reflection in the window as he stares out with his like hands behind his back in that very grand Moff style and and we talk about him as this important imposing figure a guy who's a friend of the emperor like an actual friend yeah. knows his first name uh, and a guy who's, like, has the reins on Vader, so he's basically, like, the VP of the galaxy, right? <laughs> and, and, and you but could talk about he, him.
0: Well, he is the Dick Cheney yeah. of uh, of the Death Star, that's <laughs> he, for sure. He did yeah. shoot
1: Palpatine in the face once by accident. It uh, happens. Look, it happens. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like, you could have talked about him as this important, imposing figure, because we know who he is, and yeah. that would have given us that nod for, like, fans of the original trilogy. People who didn't know who he was wouldn't have had to uh, think about it similar to like the yeah, hey Captain Antilles comment that you get <laughs> yeah. when or uh, when he walks out. Um, but uh, you know what? That Organa. was
0: something that I didn't know about when we did the previous episode. Uh, Dave and Jeff both was that the the Rogue Squadron the footage of them that those were actually outtakes from A New Hope. I thought that they sort of did weird digital things, but that's actually those actors filmed at that time and. The amount of time and effort that went into doing that, you know, people should Google it and just see how long it took to do that, and it's only for a few seconds here and there. Yeah. But to have that continuity, and, you know, unfortunately, Red 5 dies, but now we know why there's an opening for Luke to be Red 5. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's, it's a little touch that was completely unnecessary, but you appreciate that attention to detail. Mm-hmm. And so, while I was critical of some of the other things, I love that because it's like, what, 90 More, ninety percent of the people who saw the movie Mm -hmm. aren't even going to notice that. But for the people who did, they're like, "Wow, that's awesome that they did that."
2: I kind of let me let let me just interject real quick. Yeah, since we're since we're talking about that part of it and and Peter Cushing, Um, that part of it uh, I thought was really fun to see. Um, uh, Red Leader and and uh, you know some of those other yeah. uh, X wing fighters. Because uh, I don't think we saw Porkins because, because that's that's <laughs> time wise that fits perfectly because they're on Yavin Four and, yeah. and that's where they come out of to fight the Death Star. Yeah. Uh, however, let me go back to Tarkin real quick. Sure. Um, you know when I was uh, leaving the the theater with Jack, uh, we were talking about the movie and and uh, uh, I said. Uh, uh... you know that uh... uh that uh, governor tarkin uh... was computer generated and he said no i didn't know that and and i said i said yeah the actor who played uh... uh tarkin uh... peter cushing died many many years ago and so for this character they had to do uh, cgi and he said wow that was very cool so i think i think for for us who are older and and know something about it um, uh, It it, it can be sort of disconcerting. But I think for the younger generation, uh, it's just going to, you know... I won't say go right over their heads, N- No, but it's not but it, mean as much. It,
0: yeah, um, and, and it's um, not even you know distracting her in any way. I mean, my wife is not part right. of that younger generation. She's a little bit younger than me, but she also hasn't seen these movies as many times as, as I have. I think that when the special editions were out was the first time she saw any of them. She was like in high school, I think, when she saw them. Anyway, she didn't know that that was Peter Cushing. She didn't really remember the character because, you know, let's put it this way. My wife and I have never watched the original trilogy together, so it's been probably... Uh, that long since she's seen it and because right. once it got close you know when we were having our son Felix it's like well I know I'm going to see these movies a lot you know I don't need to watch them now <laughs> we'll go see the new ones but uh you know so yeah it's the, it's that same thing and look I, all those attentions to detail the effort that went into it you know sure we can be a little critical of the way that princess leia looked it's great that they wanted to do that that it was important enough to them and i would have been very disappointed if we didn't have the cameo with c-3po and r2d2 because at, at, up until now they've been in every star wars movie and uh, i feel like at some point we're going to get one without them but i'm glad they've been everything uh, until this point that's because they die at the end of episode eight that's terrible don't say that they,
1: sh- they shoot each other in like a suicide pact. <laughs> so that it's like, a, it's, like a, it's like a it's like
0: a there's a droid reservoir dogs that we're going yeah, to get exactly I'm okay with that uh, anyway we've been talking to Dave Dorman who's been very generous with his time uh, he's on Twitter at Dave Dorman Facebook is Dave Dorman art Instagram Dave Dorman artist and again it's all at davedormancom and there's a couple of great things that you can find there uh, he has variant covers for spider Gwen number one Dark Knight three number one and something that Jeff just uh, got on I guess Marvel app vader down number one which mm-hmm. i know we talked to you about a year ago which was great yeah. and uh, there's a, a third and final book in the gi joe american hero series uh, you can find out about all that stuff at DaveDorman.com. dave i'm glad we had a chance to talk about this movie and you know if we don't talk before then i look forward to talking to you about episode eight uh, you know in december absolutely
2: that's, that's going to be great.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much, Dave. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much for being on the Blackcast.
2: All right. Thanks, guys.
0: Joining us now, Blackcast friend Jason Blair from the frozen tundra of Indiana. Jason, welcome back to the Blackcast. Hey, Christian. Hey, Jeff. How you guys doing? We're Good. doing great. Uh, this is the all-Midwest Star Wars Rogue One other one because we've got <laughs> Dave Dorman and yourself here repping the Midwest, which we appreciate.
3: Yeah, House it'd be cl- interesting to see if the Midwest has a different take on it than you coastal elites out there. If there's like sort of a rogue one divide, but uh...
0: well, you know, it's funny because. We were uh, trading messages before this, and I think that you have a really interesting take on the movie. As a Midwest nerd, it's a lot closer to where we are, but I wanted you to start off talking about what your mom thought about the movie, because that's (laughs) your average moviegoer, and... I feel like your mom is probably not like my mom, who was what passed for a nerd in the 60s in that I talked about this a few casts ago. She would stay home on Friday nights instead of going out because that's when Star Trek was on. I watched all these movies with me countless times. Uh, Is your mom
3: not that hardcore of a Star Wars nerd? Is it safe to say that? I would say she's roughly familiar with it. Obviously, when we got our first VCR in the 80s, uh, I had Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. I don't even think Return of the Jedi was available on VHS yet so like any you know 7 year old kid I would watch it probably you know, three times a week, yeah. but I, know, I don't think I, she ever really sat down and yeah. watched it with me. It I didn't all even have that, that by the way.
0: I taped Empire Strikes Back off of HBO. We didn't even have HBO. Did they I had, add titties in? No, they did not add titties in. It wasn't on Cinemax. I had my neighbor record it for me because we didn't have HBO, and I was like, oh my god, I have Empire Strikes Back, I can watch. I didn't have Star Wars, but I had Empire Strikes Back, and yeah, Return of the Jedi wasn't out yet because... This is such a crazy thing to think back on. VHS, when they came out, they were priced for stores to buy to rent. So a new movie was like ninety dollars. What the fuck? Yeah, you couldn't. I mean, you could. You could buy a movie if you wanted to break the bank. And I remember when the Tim Burton Batman came out in nineteen. Well, it probably came out in nineteen. Nineteen eighty nine. I think the that Christmas, it was priced at nineteen ninety five, and everybody was like, "Oh my God, you've destroyed the marketplace that we've." You know, and at that point the home video market became huge which of course it's relatively non-existent now because it's all streaming but yeah it was very hard to own these movies so back to my earlier point because somehow this turned into a story about me as a kid your mom seeing this movie uh, tell us what she thought and if she even gave much consideration to how it fit into the grand Star Wars universe
3: I was uh, really surprised. I figured that she would uh, be calling me after the show being very lost. For one reason, anybody that has any kind of a mild accent in a movie, she totally does not understand them. I remember going to see Air Force One with my parents, and when the Russian terrorist took over the plane, the whole movie – You know, I'd be like, you give us the nuclear codes. And my mom would be like, what are they saying? And I'm like, how do you not understand this? But any kind of accent. So I was really worried that the uh the two asian guys and the uh the uh spanish guy she was gonna be lost <laughs> and uh, to me it's funny you and i were talking about how we don't even remember their names i'm yeah. referring to him as the spanish guy jeff and what's the, the spanish asian guy's dudes.
1: name i'm not i think he means the french guy cassian andor could
3: be the, the main
1: guy who's like the love interest of Jin urso
3: no, okay,
0: yeah. they're they're just friends. But there's also the guy who's paired up with the blind guy. What's the blind
1: guy's name? There's uh, the blind guy's Charut Charut Imway, <laughs> I'm and the other guy's Baze Malbis. He's got the big. Yeah, guy. that's
0: maybe you know those guys. Look, there's a lot of accents to mm-hmm. the point that uh, he's making. Maybe, but anyway, I'm sorry. We talked about Air Force One without anyone saying. Get off my plane, <laughs> and that would not stand. You know, I think Black Cast Nation would have been in an
1: uproar. I, I so. think there's also we definitely missed out in episode seven of him not get off my falcon. <laughs>
3: exactly, <laughs> that would ring yeah, great. I was about ready to say that, but she she but she loved it. Uh, I was surprised she called me and just said I thought it was amazing. I I really enjoyed it. I I do think things that um, we are very tuned into, like uh, you know Governor Tarkin. Being in the movie, we knew he was going to be CGI. I don't think she ever thought about that. Like, it, it's one of those things where if you know okay, this guy's been dead since 94, 95. Yeah. You're kind of looking, and so I hear, oh, he's so fake, he detracts from the movie. Well, it's funny, because we I were thought just... was pretty we, well done. We
0: just talked about this I with don't. Dave Dorman, and his son had no idea that that was not just an actor that was there on the set. To some extent, my wife thought it looked a little weird, but she didn't have the connection that it was Peter Cushing who was dead. So, yeah, it's like, you know, your nerds are going to be, you know, at, at attention and realizing this. But I think for most people, it actually works because they don't think... Think like hey i wonder if that character is a cgi creation who doesn't belong there and is an unholy anachronism <laughs> mocking the grim reaper <laughs> you know so i think that i think that you're it makes perfect sense but I, what i was most interested in you said she had a real emotional connection to these characters which yeah. as we talked it was, about it, it was hard to be emotionally invested in characters that you still don't remember their names and I'm not right. critical if anyone who doesn't remember their names because I don't. I, I'm lucky I remember
3: Jin Ursos name. I think it's only because they said it so many times. <laughs> well, in defense, I think uh, my mom she never remembers anybody's name from any movie. But it, <laughs> um, I think I was going into it knowing, you know, they were going to die. Not a hundred percent. I mean, maybe somebody got out. But the idea that they're not in a new hope that I. I put it at a 99% probability yeah. that they all died. So I, I kind of, think, came into that with the idea of I don't need to get attached to these people, maybe. Um, whereas she was just totally shocked. She said that she cried at the end. She couldn't believe they all died. It was just so emotional, and they were on the beach, and and uh, it, it was just strange how I think maybe if I had come into it watching it with the sort of a blank slate, I might have attached myself to the characters a little bit more. So,
1: I think um, that that's the beauty of the Star Wars movies, and that's kind of what they're going for too. At sometimes, right? Like you have all the nods for the people who are they're gonna pick every little thing. Like, oh, like uh, Senator Organa walked out of the room. I I said this before, and says Antilles. Like, I know who that is. (laughs) Versus anyone else is gonna be like, oh, the background sound. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There goes Jimmy Smits. He looks old and, yeah. and yeah. so I think that's that's the beauty is y- if you go in and you don't realize that they're all definitely doomed you can get invested in all these people you can love these characters and then have them stripped away from you and get that beautiful experience versus uh, if you know for sure they're all going to die because you know they say in A New Hope everyone died to get these plans then you go like okay well let's see where this goes like yeah. h- how how is this going to like fit in to the fold right well so as
0: we sort of boil it down to oh no wait sorry there's one more thing about your mom (laughs) yeah (laughs) you told me something about your mom which i thought was adorable because uh well just say
3: about a character that she really liked and how she said it to you and i just thought it was very cute she was talking to me about uh, the characters for so long and she said oh and i just i really liked the black guy and i just had a connection to him and and I'm thinking for several minutes she's talking about Forrest Whitaker, which I did not <laughs> understand his character at all. I think you watched Star Wars Rebels. or Well, Rebels and Clone Wars, that character was on. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe that makes sense to you. I kind of thought he was a pointless character, so I was really surprised that she was so attached to him. And then she talks about his humor. And I realize five minutes after she's talking about the black guy repeatedly, how much she likes him, she's talking about the droid. <laughs> the,
0: And, you know, look, you told me that, and I said, look, I didn't notice he was black because I'm so evolved that I'm droid colorblind, so I didn't see him as a black droid I just saw him as a droid, Mrs. Blair, okay? I believe they prefer African, <laughs> Judean Af- droids. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I just thought it was funny, though, because, look, that's a testament to the reality of that character, that she had a connection to a droid character. Mm-hmm. And I did like the funny, smart-ass droid, which is, you know, look it's Droid it, Droid it, Binks yeah it's <laughs> Droid Droid Binks it's a far departure from Margaret Dumont from the old Marx Brothers movie aka C-3PO you know I don't I don't need that in all of my Star Wars movies so I liked this guy but give us your thoughts now that we've talked enough about what your mom thought about the movie which I think is great and I think it's a testament to you know how differently people watch these movies even part of an iconic franchise like Star Wars now as you saw the movie did you know much going into it or were you successfully able to be Blinded by your uh, adorable three triplets, who don't let you really catch much media that's going on.
3: Yeah, if uh, you know, if it doesn't have to do with the upcoming premiere of Mickey and the Road Racers on Disney Junior, uh. I'm usually not up on what's going on. So, um, I I did see the the trailers, but I wasn't one of those people that watched it over and over and over. So, I, I do think it's funny that after the movie. And I listened to you guys on the previous podcast talk about all the scenes that were in the trailer that weren't in the movie. I didn't even remember. Well, to be uh, fair, I didn't
0: remember it either until I was reading about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like I do remember that that TIE fighter that flew up and Jin was standing there not terrified by a TIE fighter. So it's interesting to know what that is. But yeah, I it's not like I remembered all of it. I, I successfully saw no trailers for The Phantom Menace before I saw it. If, if I was in a theater and it was about to come on, I walked out. I didn't know anything about it. And then I felt like I wasn't rewarded for avoiding trailers like that, that I always watched them when they came on after that. But I wouldn't seek them out and watch them time and time again. I've seen the trailer for Old Man Logan a lot more than i've seen any of the trailers for the star wars movies in recent years Uh, mostly just because it has that nine inch nail song Mm -hmm. sung by johnny cash so if you want me to watch a star wars trailer a lot Put some Johnny Cash in there. you yeah, know. Nothing wrong with I, that. I shot a man in Bespin just to watch him die. I'm just putting that <laughs> down right now. See, that's the unofficial title for this episode, but it's still the <laughs> other Boba Robert. Cash. Boba Cash. Oh, I love Boba Cash. Uh, anyway, so back to your point that I keep interrupting you uh, and not letting you make. Uh, some of your thoughts about the movie,
3: since you didn't know much going into it, it got to unfold naturally for you. I think I was a little more excited about this movie than I was even about A Force Awakens. I think I'd even mention that to you. Mm -hmm. Um, For some reason, I just had really high hopes for it, and I think possibly I overshot my expectations. Um, It was definitely a good movie. Uh, A few people saw it opening night, so my Facebook feed was just it's the best one ever but it's better helps. than empire yeah
0: man. i heard people say that kevin smith said that and i'm like settle down now that i've seen it and i was like you know i'm i'm, I'm very critical of empire it's a great it's a great star wars movie it's not my favorite but at the same time, I'm like, no, this is this is an empire. I don't think anyone can ever compare any Star Wars movie made after 1983 to any of the ones made before that. Just they're all so much better. So when people want to tell me that Revenge of the Sith is better than Return of the Jedi, I don't literally do it. But I, I if I could, I would probably, you know, Sith choke
1: them, Darth Vader style. It's just, just stop it. I'm not gonna say they're better, but I fucking love Revenge of the Sith. That, I know well, people hate it. One, that's the best one. I of love them, that I think. One. And I yeah. know everyone hates that scene but I love it when Natalie Portman's all like, Annie, you're breaking my heart! Because I'm like, yeah, yeah no, break, I, I, die! I,
0: I, I do hate that part. But yeah, <laughs> I, I see your point. So, yeah, but anyway, I see your point. It got hyped up because people were going on and on about it. Which it's good, but, you know, settle down. Like, you know, n- none of these movies are ever going to resonate with us in the way they did when we saw them. H- however old you were, whether you saw it at home, whether you saw it in a theater, wherever you know, whether you, your parents put it on in the the screen in the back of the minivan to stop you from crying, you know, just to bring it close to home for you, Jason. You know, however you see these movies for the first time, they're never going to connect with you in that way. I, I guess people want them to. So if, if people walked out of Rogue One feeling that it was
1: the best Star Wars movie since Empire, good for them. I, I just don't feel that way. I think it just it depends on what you're looking for like I remember as a kid my favorite one was Empire but it wasn't for all the parts that I now look back on, and I'm like, oh, that was great. Like, the whole, Luke, I am your father. That's a yeah. pretty big reveal. That's a big thing. Yeah. My, my whole thing was like, that Hoth battle at the beginning. No, the dog, Hoth battle is epic. The best. It's so great. And so maybe people who think Empire's the best one because of the Hoth battle just got a whole movie of all Hoth battles and are pretty jazzed <laughs> up on it, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, the Hoth battle, a Star Hoth Wars story. battle. <laughs> uh, so what were the things that you liked the most about the movie? So, you know, you'd hyped yourself up a little bit, but I'm sure that there was
3: Still, plenty to enjoy when you saw it. Um, obviously, I think everyone will agree that the best scene is the Darth Vader scene. That's yes. you know probably the best two minutes in Star Wars. I mean, you could put it up there with. I just Any watch episode. that over and over it, again it would for be, two yeah, hours. Yeah, no,
0: no. When when that's available for home consumption, uh, Blu-ray or whatever, uh, I feel like there might be days where I'm like, you know what, it's going to be that kind of day. Hang on, I'm going to need Darth to uh, kick my day off. Let's just watch that for two minutes. And yeah, we talked about it last week. That that's the Darth Vader that we kind of always want to see, but we usually don't.
1: Uh, in one of those Vader comics that you recommended to me, that I got, like the end of the episode is uh, or the, the issue vader talks to job of the hut so he's obviously on tatooine yeah and he's like i gotta go handle some business and then it's like the last panel is just him murdering tuscan raiders <laughs> and you're just like hmm, holding the grudge yeah you know <laughs> vader does hold
0: the grudge uh, clearly and you know what sometimes he's got to let off some steam and you know where else do you do that better than with some rebel scum heading to the blockade runner uh yeah so jason that was a great scene Uh, Was that the only two minutes of the movie you liked?
3: (laughs) Uh, No, actually, uh, I I thought the movie felt more like a Star Wars movie as it went on, especially at the final battle. Yeah, I agree Uh, There was actually a scene in the theater that my wife looked at me, and I don't think she got, and I thought it was hilarious that they had the old footage from Gold Leader and Red Leader. We just talked to Dave Dorman about that,
0: and when we did our last black cast about Star Wars Rogue One A Star Wars Story I didn't realize that they had that footage that was actually you know clipped out of the movie it was actual footage from I guess 1975 and yeah. they incorporated it into the movie so your wife recognized what that was, or did she just look at you no, like it was weird? No, she
3: didn't. What? What? I'd laugh so hard because oh, okay, obviously they have a lot of footage of them referring to Red Five. Yeah, and poor so they have this guy who's like Red Five, who's like the dorkiest guy who like dies the <laughs> most destructive death, you know, yeah. in the in the movie. To kind of show you, like, well, okay, this is actually you know, what Luke stepping into to,
0: to cross universes for a second. Jason, he wasn't Red Five; he was Red Shirt Five. That guy, <laughs> <Yeah>. because <laughs> so exactly. he was, he was just like, okay, bye, bye. Oh, hey, we have a vacancy. Let's put an ad up on Craigslist. Let's see if we can get a new Rogue Five somewhere in the next, you know, few months. <laughs> what, did the I say way
3: that he just got destroyed like so quickly <laughs> yeah. and easily, it, I just laughed, and my, you know, and people looking at me like why like, are you laughing, are you laughing this? This? because I, I, it was ironic i thought it was funny
1: rogue one a red shirt story <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm in i i want to i want to see that too and yeah i i think that that stuff was all very cool and you're right though as the movie builds along that's a great climax even people who were critical of the movie said that it was the best climax of a star wars movie which again i say settle down with all of your bests and all that, but it was very exciting. It was really well done and I think that that's good utilization of modern effects whereas sometimes you get unnecessary things that we've talked about last week and this week already that entire sequence we said this with dave Dorman. i don't know what they had to reshoot but whatever they did they did right because it just worked so well and it has that ending now was your wife at all affected by the ending did she cry like your mom did or
3: no she uh she just watched it i mean when we left she thought it was good um but you know i don't think she had the connection i did in what, fact i only showed wife... her the original trilogy last year before a force awakens came out wow. so uh, she doesn't really have the history connection to it what, that what would
0: your wife consider a great movie it doesn't have to be her favorite movie the movie she watches all the time but like if you walked out like what was the last time you remember walking out of the theater it might be before the triplets you walked out of a theater and she's
3: like that was a great movie Um, I know whenever she's uh, scrolling through the channels, if White Chicks is on, she doesn't change (laughs) the channels. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I wow. knew I liked her. <laughs> that, the best part about that is, as soon as you asked that question, my mind jumped to a story that that just worked well with. Because oh, hey. it was, I was in Croatia doing my semester abroad, and we were hanging out with this bartender, like, made friends with him for the night. And he was like, hey, I want to study film and, like, do film in America. And I was like, oh, cool. This is, like, a film school I went to, essentially. So all these kids I'm with are, like, real, like, working in the industry types. And he's, it's like, oh, well, what's your favorite movie? He's like, How High, with Method Man and Red Men. <laughs> (laughs) that's the greatest movie of all time and we're like "Uh, okay i mean i would say even in that genre half-bake
0: is better yeah you know i mean
1: it's not a good movie no method man and red man would be like what the fuck's wrong with how high are you how high are you so
0: if there was a white chicks a star wars story then she'd be on board your wife jason
3: if if you could get one of the wayans brothers in a in a tie fighter or uh you know uh the guy, the guy from Brooklyn like nine, 9 you know, uh,
0: Andy Samberg? Terry, Terry Crews. Oh, Terry Crews, yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think Terry Crews actually belongs in a Star Wars movie, and I don't know why, you know what, it's too bad that, uh, I feel like Sean Wayne's a few years ago would have been a good young Lando Calrissian, but... uh, uh
1: Donald Glover's gonna kill it.
0: I'm just saying, before Donald Glover came along, and mm. we didn't know who he was, that, that was probably Sean and Marlon's role to turn down yeah maybe but
1: i'm glad uh, by the way
0: complete (laughs) complete detour jason last night on fxx they had a rerun of in living color and who do you think was the musical guest on this episode of in living color from
3: 1992 92 uh i don't know de la
0: soul well that's a good guess but that was that's who did the theme song jodeci Ah, i know you're a huge fan of jodeci and i was was like I forget what time it was your time. I'm like, I, I don't even, I don't think that Facebook Messenger would have woken you up, but for you to have to explain to your wife, oh yeah, Christian messaged me because Jody we were on TV. Uh, I felt like I'm like, you know, I'll just save that until we talk during the podcast. <laughs> I just cannot wait
3: for us to be on uh, World's Greatest Tribute
0: Band. Uh, oh yeah, with Jeff, our doesn't, tribute Jeff doesn't know band. about this. We're going to be a Jodeci tribute band called White Jodeci, and oh, wow. I
1: think there's room. You and Will are probably welcome. Bujensky's not, but uh, you guys would be welcome. Can I can I dress like the Asian dude from Revenge of the Nerds and just play an electronic <laughs> violin? There's room. There's room
0: for everything in our band. You know what? We don't discriminate, much like the real Jodeci.
1: Uh, also earlier, I was thinking about droids doing stand. Up comedy and how they should <laughs> add that into a Lucas film, just like R two D two in basic, just being like beep, boop 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 beep, boop boop, and then everybody, of course, understands him and laughs. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, that's the same concept as having like several minutes of Wookies growling <laughs> at each other in the beginning of the Holiday episode, is it not?
0: Yeah, but you know, the Holiday special is a classic, so that's the difference. So. Those were some things that you liked about it. Um, I know one of the things that we forgot to talk about last week, and I wish Will was here only for this reason, because I don't miss him at all. But (laughs) one of the reasons I wish Will was here was that he had a problem with the score. And I know, Jason, that was something that you felt was underwhelming. And since... I've seen the movie, I've kind of looked into it a little bit, Michael Giacchino, who has done great score for J.J. Abrams in the past. He did all the music on Lost and in the the Star Trek movies, but he had, I think, about a month or maybe even a little bit less to get to the entire score, and unfortunately it shows because we're all used to the great John Williams scores of all the movies, all the prequels, Episode 7, everything. I think he even did the music for the Ewok movies, and I'm not kidding. I'm pretty sure he did. So it's like, you've always had this great music. So if you weren't as accustomed to it, it might not stand out in this movie, but it really stands out that it's it just, you know, when I was looking for music from the score to, to, st- Kick off episode 205 it was really hard to find anything that was remotely exciting and i went and like well here's a lame watered down version of the darth vader theme the imperial march i'm gonna go ahead and use that and it wasn't easy so talk a little bit about the score and what you thought
3: about it as the movie went along and also now that you look back on the movie well i think it just uh, goes with the tone of the movie uh, I, I think one thing is uh, i've been a magician, yeah, magician, musician all my life, and uh, you know, I, I kind of pay attention to that type of stuff, and and I do think that John Williams, it's it's hard to think about, but he's one of those guys that 500 years from now, he's going to still be a name that people remember, like Beethoven or Mozart. Uh, you know, if there's a, a concert like a the the indie symphony every year, they yeah. have all these. yeah they do something like that the
0: hollywood bowl and you know it's yeah i mean we don't even have time to go through a few of his greatest hits just you know jaws indiana Jones, star wars we're done now superman all right now we're done you know and and that's just like trying to say them in like three seconds you know there's so much and he he was he's such a talent i almost said was but he's still around and it's hard to live up to and giving a guy a month to do it if they want to rescore it for the later releases, I think that would be great. And I hope they make some tweaks along the way. Lucas
1: is just like yeah, I told them to leave some shit fucked up <laughs> so that they can re release it. Do a special edition and the the Rogue, it's all the same video. The Rogue One new, special uh, edition. Yeah, exactly.
0: I mean look and it, it didn't ruin the movie. It's just it could have been more exciting as you watched it. If we had honestly, it, there was enough existing Star Wars
1: music from John Wayne, you could have just use that. They, they should have gone music. all the way in the other direction and just made it like a Vietnam pick. <laughs> <like> a bu- <laughs> so, bunch of like rebel fucking spirit war music. <laughs> I The know-
0: Tauntaun rose before dawn. He put his boots on. He walked on down the hall. It's Apocalypse Now a Star Wars story. I'm in, I'm, for, so I'm in, for, in for a for way for
3: them to reincorporate the Ewok Yubnub song since they cut it out of the, oh, man. the special edition. You, you That's know I
0: could biggest... I could do a whole other hour of Blackcast talking about the special. I stopped myself when we were talking to Dave Dorman because Jeff mentioned some of the stuff that they did, how it might have looked cool at the time but it really hasn't held up. They destroyed that scene in Jabba's Palace by putting that stupid band in there and it's like, it's not even like remotely a dark or foreboding place. I remember what I said at the time. It's like oh it's like peewee's playhouse uh-huh. you know and it's just
1: like no stop just leave it but i would like them to fix the score in this movie so that would be all right they're like let's punch up this scene by adding in a stupid alien singing a song in non-english what were, were yeah. you gonna sell records on that what the fuck well was they the didn't
0: so yeah i mean you know if disney had owned star wars at that point they probably they probably would have
3: sang you know whistle while you work or Did- something
1: did they, did I they do think do
3: that's a good idea. You could make like a GIF where you actually insert cherry into the uh, Jabba <laughs> scene.
0: That, I know that that was a problem. Are there other problems that linger with you or you're able to kind of shrug it off like, ah, eh, it was an all right Star Wars adventure that I was able to enjoy? Or are there things that stick with you that still bother you this long after seeing it?
3: I would say it was better than all right. I don't mean to run it down like it yeah. was, you know, terrible. It, it was a good movie. Right, I think it's it was not solid. Star Trek I, Five, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I kind of, I think my expectation too was it would be more of a heist movie, more of like a Ocean's Eleven, we're going to plan, here's how we're breaking in, and it it ended up being more of like a, I don't know, Michael Bay type just, you know, run in and shoot and go to the next planet and it blows up, and then you go to the next planet and it blows up, and you go to the next planet and it blows up. There was kind of, I don't know, I, I would rather maybe they stayed more on one or two planets and made it more of a strategy type movie.
0: No, and I think that there's room for that somewhere. You know, it doesn't need to be the first Young Han solo pick, but I feel like A han solo lando calrissian heist movie would actually be amazing and that'd be fun uh, i'm i'm on board for that and look those guys don't have to be in it i just feel like they lend themselves as a couple of dirty scoundrel smugglers i think that they could definitely do a good heist movie what were you gonna say jeff
1: i like i like the heist movie idea i think you could have just done more either like behind enemy lines style where it's like oh we gotta really like hide from place to place and like move slowly or you could also have done, like, a From Within the Empire yeah. in this story. Like, the the, the spies, because they call them spies. Spy, you're not really a spy if you just run missions and, like, go do <laughs> stuff. You're more of just, like, a trooper of Some sort, right? Yeah. It, like, because they talked about them as spies in A New Hope. So, in my mind, these were like people who worked in the empire, like people who were stormtroopers or like were some form of like pilot or whatever it is. These guys that we see uh, defecting in shows like Rebels, like Antilles, and again, who I keep bringing up, whatever. Uh, Somebody loves Wedge, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I could have seen it being that kind of story. Not that it had to be, but. I just think that would have been interesting. I, I really would love to see something from the perspective of, like, the Empire not just being pure evil, yeah. not because they're not pure evil, but from, like, the, you know how you get those, like, almost justifications of, like, well, here's the m- movie from the bad guy's perspective where they don't think they're being bad. Like, these people who work for the Empire, what if they really felt like, hey, this is a peacekeeping space station to keep, like, people from fighting us, fighting each other, killing our friends, right? Like. Uh, soldiers style. Like, the Stormtroopers aren't just clone troopers. It's a band of brothers. Like, these people are losing their friends, so to try and prevent that, they're trying to keep everybody from fighting.
3: This movie actually did have me questioning the efficacy of the Empire, because I know the whole idea was they ruled with an iron fist, and they're bringing order to the galaxy, but that galaxy is pretty darn chaotic, even when the Empire is running things. I mean, you've got Mos Eisley, there's all this illegality going on you've got the huts and and you okay well that's tatooine it's way out there yeah, it's, it's but, on the yeah, perimeter the but then they go to rim. all these yeah. other planets the same way they go to Jeddah or whatever it's called and all these other and it they all seem like it's just everywhere you go is a wretched hive of scum and villainy so yeah. well what is the empire actually doing well, well, it's a good point. You can't point. go to
1: Coruscant and just like have the Empire, like the yeah. Royal Guards walking down the street, and everyone just be like, "Oh, well, we can't do anything because we're." Hey, I mean, look, it happened in
0: Tsarist Russia, by the way. There's a great piece by Jonathan Last from the Weekly Standard. It's actually from 2002. It's called "The Case for the Empire." I don't think I agree with him, but I love the detail that he has in there, and it, it, it's from 15 years ago, almost 15 years ago, and it made the rounds after Rogue One, and I don't quite know exactly how people found it again. But uh, I was reminded of it, and it's it's great. It's well worth reading. It's food for thought, let's put it that way. Again, it's called The Case for the Empire, and that's by Jonathan Last. You can find it at WeeklyStandard.com. And uh, Jonathan Last it was at least once a guest on The Dennis Miller Show. So uh, I think I didn't know about that piece when we had him on, though, because otherwise I'd be like, all right, I'm going to keep you on the phone for an hour, and we're going to talk about this for the black cast. <laughs> but speaking about talking for an hour for the black cast, we're pretty much out of time. Jason did use. Uh, leave any thoughts on the table that you want to get out before we go is there anything else that you want to chime in about the movie or about the black cast in general how glad you are that will isn't here really anything
3: i i could talk all day unfortunately i'm i'm uh, faced with what you call uh, guys call a hard break it's time to feed the triplets so uh <laughs> yeah it's hard break time so.
0: well i explained this to my wife talk about And I'll let you go after this, how in the multiple community, and those are families who have multiple births, the term they use to refer to people like myself who are silly enough to only have one baby at a time, what do they call us?
3: It's a medical term, and uh, they are referred to as singletons. Singletons. I love that. Oh, Jeff. Wow. Jeff is horrified right now. He's like, No, no, no. Oh, yeah. I'm just I horrified it that weird I'm myself. Considering that I am a singleton myself, I'm like, What does that say about me? Yeah, but, what uh, does that say much?
1: <laughs> common term. I, I, I'm just looking at Christian horrified that I would associate with a singleton <laughs> like him. Now that's true. Well, Jason, thank you so much for uh,
0: joining us. You're not on Twitter. I know you have one, but I'm not going to promote it because you don't use it. If you ever start using it, we'll start promoting it but very good i, don't, I think you don't want BlackCast listeners tracking you down on facebook so I, I guess i won't tag you in the post you get upset when i do that so i don't get upset it's you know, fine you know if, who you know, you're most upset about asking you for a friend request is that guy uh blaze
3: who's a listener to michael housem show uh, blaze blaze has got to leave me alone but anybody from, else can send me a friend yeah, but request from grand rapids michigan all of them leave an open invite but uh you know yeah you tag me send me a friend <laughs> request uh He's very friendly, you know? Look,
0: he's, he's in the house. Uh, some part of the day the kids aren't there, the rest of the day they are. So, you know, if, if you want to send electronic missives to him, he'll appreciate it. But Jason, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule, letting the triplets go hungry yet again while you talk to us, and we will definitely talk to you sometime again in the near future. So thanks so much for being on with us. Thanks, guys. All Thank right, you. we'll talk to you soon. That's our friend Jason Blair. And we have more to talk about when it comes to Star Wars, but uh, we're out of time for today, so I guess... We're going to have to see you next time on the Blackcast. Red (laughs) 5.